0: Welcome to Crate Digging, a podcast about record collections and their collectors. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault, the music and creative associate for the soundtrack. On this episode, we have Toronto-based rapper and producer extraordinaire Junior T. You may recognize him from his work as Jesse Reyes' touring DJ or through his Polaris Prize-nominated album, Studio Monk, that came out last year. Junior T, thank you so much for joining me today. Let's flip through your collection.
1: sir. Yeah, man. i been collecting for a while. <laughs> Thank you for having me, bro.
0: So how are you doing on, uh, on this fine day? I'm doing
1: good. It's hot in Toronto, finally. So it feels good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, got some special vinyl this year. <laughs> so it's been a good year. I can't front.
0: That's, that's good. All right. I guess then the, the very first
1: question I need to ask you is,
0: how big is your record collection?
1: It's scattered for one, but it's a, it's a decent size. It's like a couple hundred pieces. Some of it lives at my dad's. Some of it lives at like the main DJ in our squad lives at his spot. And um, some of it's with my daughter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty much that's my home. That's yeah. cool.
0: Uh, when did you start collecting anyways?
1: Um, I would say I started collecting in like in high school. When um, I first started buying hip hop records. Those were like the first records I bought. So I was buying singles, um, albums. I really like to buy records that had acapellas so I could make my own little remixes or blend them over like different instrumentals. And then um, the digging really started when I bought my first MPC, the MPC 1000. I was like making beats on FL, but I was like ripping samples from the internet, you know? But when I had my MP, I felt like I need to... (laughs) go from vinyl to the MP to get the sound, you know? And then that's where the journey really started for me. Collecting, collecting. Nice. Do you remember what
0: was the first record you either bought or were given?
1: The first record I was given was Bob Marley Catch a Fire. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. And like first, like first press edition, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's special. That's from my dad, <clears throat> from my grandmother's collection when they moved here from from England.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Was it like a,
1: a original first pressing? Yeah, man. That was like on the wall in the studio for a long time.
0: So, did you first get into playing records because like your dad or other people in your family were doing and you were like, Oh man, this is cool. I need to do it too.
1: Yeah. It was my, um, my cousin Lennox, he was a DJ. So like every time I went over to his house, at like family gatherings or whatever, we'd all chill in the basement and he'd be juggling records and stuff. And like, he was like with the whole primo setup with the two decks on the right side and the mixer on the left. So you could do the easy juggles with the right hand, you know? So that's like where it really started for Mm -hmm. me. And then like I moved to this complex where I met the DJ of our squad and his dad was an original sound man from Jamaica. So he had like 45s galore and like an original sound system built by hand in his basement. So then that's when like the journey continued because like that's when the reggae was a part of the buying habits and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. What would you say uh – genres or styles mostly comprise your collection.
1: Soul, reggae, hip hop. I've got some like some Latin records in there. Like some stuff from Brazil. Um and just like random world music from corners of the world. That's what makes it my cool. Yeah.
0: Nice. Uh so I know you talked about your your Bob Marley one probably would be your prize possession would you say that
1: one of them yeah for sure
0: is there any uh holy grails that you're you're one day hoping to get whether it's like either a first uh pressing or a test pressing or something like that or just something that's been hard to find is there something that like you need to get one day oh for
1: sure i need to get a copy of nancy holloway hello dolly i need that in my really that album fire (laughs) rare rare and it's not wild i miss that by 10 minutes in like the dollar bin at cops. I was so upset. It's like a $200 record.
0: How did you find out you missed it? Did, did the, the owner of the shop guy just be like, sorry, man, we had it and we just sold Yeah. It.
1: <laughs> I like legit just heard the song. It's called Hurt So Bad. And it's a, it's a cover of like a song from the 60s. But the singer Nancy Holloway is an American singer that was mixed that couldn't get any support in America because of racism. So she moved to Paris and then that's where she found like the support. She got really big out there. So this record is one of the albums she made when she was in Paris and it's like super funky. It's amazing.
0: Damn. I hope you can find that one day then. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Without dropping two bills on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes you just got to like cop the record. (laughs) You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who would you say uh, is the artist you have the most in your collection then?
1: Um, Sergio Mendez. I've got a lot of Sergio. I think I have like all of the Sergio, even like his work with the trio. I've got a lot of Diodado on my collection. I've got a lot of Chick Corea in there. Um. For the hip hop, it's just like a lot of stuff from the nineties and like the two mm-hmm. thousands. So it's hard to just narrow it down to just one. Like Busta albums, you've yeah. got like so many Busta albums, you know what I mean? And like singles <laughs> yeah. and like remixes and white labels, you know. But if what I say like albums, albums, it's it's a lot of the jazz mm-hmm. stuff. Nice,
0: nice. Now, uh, you mentioned you, you go to Cops Records and stuff like that. But if you're going to any record store in general, whether it's in Toronto or somewhere else, when you walk in, do you sort of beeline it to exactly you know what you want? You're like, hey, I- I'm here to find, you know, so-and-so artist today. Or do you like spending time flipping through everything, try and find something that jumps out to you?
1: I definitely like to take time in this in like a record shop. There's like sections I like to go to first. Like if they've got an mm-hmm. international section, I always like to see what they've got. Or how big the yeah. international section is, because sometimes it'll blow your mind. You'll get like Japan, and then it's like funk from Japan or jazz from Japan. You know what I mean? Or some places mm-hmm. have like the one row, and it's like a mashup of everything. You know. But um, those are the spaces I'll spend a lot of time in, and I'll listen to stuff if I can. You know. Yeah. But soul records, um, that's not really my section anymore. Uh, back no? in the day it was, you know what I mean? But now I just <laughs> want to find like soul music, but not from like an English country. I want to find it from, mm. you know, Germany or <laughs> Israel something crazy. Like, you know, I mean, it's random things.
0: Now, is the reason why you're looking for for like soul music from different countries, is it because they sort of like take the sort of basics we know of what the genre is, but kind of put their own spin on it in ways that you've never heard? Is that what you're looking for?
1: Yeah for sure that's definitely it and also like you know when a music genre becomes popular in the world everywhere in the world starts playing it you know mm-hmm. and there's little nuances just from who lives there and who are the people they're looking up to that's like present in the music too so you always find like wild stuff
0: yeah when you're on tour you try to pop into different uh, record stores when you're visiting the different cities or different countries? Or is it something you're like, I don't really have time to do when I'm you know, visiting Germany or whatever?
1: When I've, when I've got the time, I'll definitely take it. And it's funny you said Germany, cause that was like the last place we had a day off. So yeah. while at Germany, we hit up this crazy record shop that was like close to the cigar shop that I was looking for, cause I have back backwards everywhere. So <laughs> walk in and this crazy jazz records playing, as I'm like digging through, it was like myself, Chino Davila, and Only One King. And we're just like going through records. I pick up like two random joints that I, I was kind of looking for. But the record that I was playing when we walked in, every song was fire. And I was <laughs> like, nah, I need to have this. <laughs> it's like, yo, he's like, how much is it? He's like, it's 60 euro. I'm like, I'm taking it. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> So those moments happen too, you know?
0: yeah no i definitely understand i feel like every time i go into a record store they're usually playing something that i've like never heard of before and you always have to like go up to the guy behind the desk and be like all right what was that
1: (laughs) yeah yeah you know sometimes it's like a nugget but like when you're traveling like that and you don't know if you see the record again it's like you can't risk it (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's awesome you know, I'd love to talk a bit about your, your studio is as well that you run. Uh, it looks like it's a, a state of the art facility with all the best gear during downtime when you're recording, do you like put on music as well, whether just to vibe out or to get inspiration?
1: Yeah, sometimes we do. Like if we just leave something running in the background or um, sometimes we just talk, <laughs> you know, and yeah. then after, when, we, after the conversation that we get into it, but I find that like, it's pretty even. Sometimes we we'll just play some music and chill. And then get into it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, we just like, talk to some shit and then get to it.
0: Is it usually just, uh, you know, someone uh, connecting their phone or something or, or plugging in the aux cord? Or do you actually like have a turntable there too that you, you spin?
1: You know what's wild? I don't have a turntable at the studio. I'm actually really? able to bring a turntable to the studio for the first time in this new space because I've been like playing everything live off the floor mm-hmm. with the homies. So. Like the Studio Monk process, I had like a turntable there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Draw some inspiration that way. But in the last year, it's been kind of cool to have a space where I could have enough. I could have four musicians play live. And like we are the mm-hmm. sample now. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd love to actually talk a little bit about the the creation of Studio Monk. I know you've, you've talked about in a whole bunch of interviews how long of a process it was to really narrow everything down. Right. But uh, as far as getting inspiration to to create these sort of samples and beats what sort of stuff were you looking for
1: um at that time i was really listening to a lot of bossa. okay stuff and like um sergio like i discovered like the sergio trio and that sergio Trio record really inspired like a lot of like the melodies and the harmonies at the time i was working on studio monk and like um i guess that's what kind of led me down the whole whole of finding um, just funk from all these different countries and soar from different countries you know what I mean mm-hmm. so like yeah definitely the Sergio on some Brazilian things <laughs> it was behind nice, yeah that's
0: interesting country. yeah <laughs> I'm gonna have to re-listen to the record to see uh, where I can find those influences because that sounds really cool that uh, that's where you're pulling from
1: mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Sergio man <laughs> <laughs> I guess <so. laughs>
0: are you uh, are you able to talk a bit about uh, what your your turntable and, and your setup is right now that you have uh, at your home?
1: Yeah, um actually, my daughter, <laughs> she loves to listen to records, so I was just buying a lot of those portable joints just so she mm-hmm. could like mm-hmm. you know smash her around or just like bring it anywhere. So I had like um I had the old newmark with, with like the clothes, it clothes like a little suitcase, battery operated joint. And then that got worked to the bones, <laughs> you know? And then <laughs> I got uh, another one, but this one runs off of like D batteries. Uh, oh, Hold on, the, let me see what this one's called. This is uh, oh, the PT1. The PT1. Just like, like I like having a little portable joint so you can just be outside. Mm-hmm. You just plug it into like a little Wi Fi speaker. You know what I mean? Or you can just pull up somewhere yeah. and sample real easy. It's like easy thing to carry, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Now as uh, as someone who who's around so much audio gear like yourself, you obviously know that there's literally no upper limit to how much you can spend on on gear. <laughs> uh do you like envision yourself getting some crazy setup down the line? Or are you like, I'm I'm happy with the, the portable stuff, I'm gonna run through it anyway, so I'm not
1: gonna spend a couple grand. Um eventually I think I'll get like more essential things i'll definitely have like a real nice set at the studio i want to have a pair of tw- mm-hmm. techs at the studio because i was thinking like if i wanted someone like scratch bastard to pull up you can't diss the man with a pair of anything less than 12s you feel me <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, so
1: mm-hmm. gotta get some 12s in the stew
0: nice yeah uh you talked a bit about 45s earlier but uh I'm interested to hear like do you collect them or is it something that's just like hey if If I got them or not, or or do you like specifically uh, search out for them?
1: Um, I actually inherited a pretty wild collection of 45s through my family. Um, My grandmother and my grandfather have a wild collection of 45s from like um, family members that were part of music in Jamaica and um, were pressed to 45s and then their own collection. So I personally tend to just add to that collection of 45s like reggae and like rare releases. You Know what I mean? That's like of the original Nancy, I'm um, Sister Nancy Bomb Bomb and <laughs> on 45, you know, just like choice so like that, yeah. But I'm not like, um, there's a DJ from Ottawa, Ray Ray. That guy has everything on 45. That guy has like big pun, still a player on 45, has <laughs> like, red yeah. man, like whatever man on 45. Like that guy's a 45 king. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I'm uh, I'm curious. I know you, we talked about cops earlier, but do you have a favorite local record store? or Is that the one that you, you mostly go to?
1: Um, my favorite record or for, any
0: favorite record store in general. My
1: favorite record store right now is Antica. Antica is a coffee shop record shop on Queen, just west of Shaw, and I'm also a fan of Grasshopper. Mm. Grasshopper mm. records. Is a um, a record shop that's owned by like a OG Toronto head that's like from the scene, and he knows like his music very really well. So you could ask him some questions and get some fun answers But the music you're looking at. You know?
0: yeah. I find when I go to Grasshopper, I'm I'm always able to find really good local stuff there, more so than other stores.
1: Word, Word. yeah, yeah.
0: Now, uh, Curious, you don't have to name any names here, but what makes a good record store stand out from a bad record store, in your opinion?
1: Hmm. A bad record store won't let you listen to records.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that's really it. <laughs> a good record store mm-hmm. will let you listen to records, you know? Yeah. Because everybody has their own taste. But as long as they can like preview that, take that home, Nice. <laughs> hmm Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no, I understand that. Sometimes you, you, you're looking at a, a used record and you're just like, man, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? You got to give it a yeah. little run, you know? Yeah.
0: Especially if it's, uh, you know, 40, 50 bucks and you know it's a, a little scratched up, you got to know how uh, how badly scratched it is. Yeah. For real. Yeah. <laughs> Now uh, back to uh, you and your music. I'm uh, I'm interested to know what does a post pandemic look for Junior T? We didn't really get a proper tour with Studio Monk because it came out at the worst possible <laughs> time for live shows. Right. Uh, but uh, what do you have lined up?
1: Um, I just really want to continue um making music right now, and like keep pushing Studio Monk because I feel like there's a lot of people who haven't heard it. And I just want to see how far we can get it. And then post that, yeah. I'm just going to keep putting out music because I, I haven't stopped making music. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Are you hard at work at the follow up?
1: I can't even call it a follow up because, like, the way I made Studio Monk was just me showing up to the studio and making music. It wasn't like, today we're working on the album. So it's just like, I just make music. So I go to the studio twice a week or three times a week. And every time I leave with songs, it's not like just beats. So it's been like five months in the year. I've made at least 35 songs this year.
0: Wow, really? Yeah. That's crazy.
1: So it's like, when it's time to put on new music, it'll be fun to pick the music.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, as I mentioned in the, the intro, your album was Polaris nominated. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the Polaris Music Prize. I've gone to the live show for, I think it was like the last five or six years or something like that. In mm-hmm. this past year, the fact that it was canceled, I was so disappointed because I was really curious to see how uh, your music was going to translate to a live show. And yeah, I was man. so bummed that we didn't get to experience
1: that. Word. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Well, it's cool that I was able to do that show with Jameson this year because that was like an opportunity where I got to, do one of the configurations of what it looks like live, which was nice to have Mark James on keys and myself playing bass, which is like my new instrument, which I'm happy about, and just having the homies perform, you know?
0: Yeah, of course. Now, other than your own music going on, are you working on anything else?
1: Um, yeah, I'm working on a
0: that you were able to share, obviously. Yeah,
1: I'm, I was like thinking about what can I say. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm working on a project with an artist from BC. Her name is Sophia Denai. And um, I'm really excited about that record. It's also going to be mixed by Beat Child. And um, I'm also working on a project with an artist from Niagara Falls. Her name is Sam Malone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's what I'll say for now. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. That's awesome. Now we're talking about all this record stuff. Uh, is there a plan to put Studio Monk out on vinyl uh, in the future?
1: Yeah, it's coming out. <laughs> you know what? Like, it was fun when you guys hit me about like the whole great thing, great thing thing. I was like, oh, the timing is wild because check it out. I got my test pressings like on Friday. <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah. So Studio Monkey is coming out on vinyl.
0: Wow. Okay. I feel like I'm breaking some news here. <laughs> Has this been announced yet?
1: No, it hasn't been announced yet, man. <laughs> you get to announce.
0: <laughs> well, man, I, I, I am very excited. I, I need to, to cop that as soon
1: as it comes in. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. This, I'm just happy that it's my first album on vinyl. So it's like such a surreal thing to like listen to this album being played on wax. And it sounds beautiful. Like, wow. uh, I'm excited were you
0: involved with any of the, the mastering for, for the vinyl
1: um, I learned something about mastering in this process is that like um, when your album is mastered well and even that master's good enough to go to vinyl and um, the album master is what we went to vinyl with and it sounds really? crazy
0: <laughs> that says a lot about your own talent as a producer then
1: it freaked it me out because I was thinking I was going to need to get another master too Interesting. Beach, I was like, "Nah, when you when your masters proper, you just go to you just go to wax with that." I was like, "Okay." And we went got the 10 <laughs> pressings back and I was like, go "Play that back." And I was like, "Damn. <laughs> he was right.
0: That's that's good to hear. You're definitely going to have to make sure you give uh, copies to all your family members that uh, lent you records there, <laughs> Oh,
1: for sure. I got to replace <laughs> some of those records with with my album. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is awesome uh so yeah if anyone has not already listened to studio monk you can find it everywhere on all music platforms junior t thank you so much for for coming on and, and talking music with me today thank you so
1: much for having me man crate digging is a lifestyle so i appreciate you guys covering it you know
0: this wraps up this episode of crate digging make sure to visit the soundtrack.ca for more great content let me know what you're currently spinning make sure you are subscribed to the show and listen right when that needle drops Crate digging is produced by Gemma Mastriani and Dakota Arsenault, and is a soundtrack production. Music is by Jared Burke, and graphic design by Stephanie Pryor. Thanks for checking us out.